Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Hi, everyone. I am currently so sleepy and recording this intro in bed, but it's like kind of cozy and feels very much what I needed to do. Um, I'm going to keep this really short and sweet because I feel like this episode speaks for itself. And this guest who I had on means the absolute, absolute world to me because she is my sister Marsh, my best friend, my honestly everything. I don't know what I would do without her. And I was just so grateful to have her in on this conversation. I've been wanting to have Marsh on the podcast for a very long time, not only because she's my sister, but because we grew up in the same household. Well, basically, I wanted to know if she had any idea I was gay growing up, um, if there were any signs, and what her experience was like growing up in an Indian household with my parents. And she is from Kuwait. So my parents actually moved to Canada with my sister when she was two years old. And she talks about how she found that our growing up experiences were a little bit different because she's a good eight years older than me. So times were definitely a lot different when I came into the picture. And of course, we get into all things sexuality. She is also a new mom to my nephew who is over a year old now. And he is the cutest little bean I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because he's my nephew. I'm actually like, hello, how are you so cute? Marsh offers some really, really good advice to parents who are raising their children on how they can teach them about the LGBTQ plus community. And for example, it's like showing them queer media early on, using appropriate language, talking to them about love and acceptance. And if she has any advice for family members who have a loved one coming out to them because I am a loved one who came out to my sister. Anyway, Without further ado, everyone, girl on girlies, welcome my sister, Marsh. You will love this conversation, and Marsh, love you times a million. Thank you so much for being you, being my rock, and being a part of this conversation. I love you. Well, I can't believe that I'm finally on the famous girl on girl podcast. I was nervous you were going to bail. Um, no, I wouldn't have bailed. It's just like life's a little chaotic these days. Well, I saw that you posted your brunch photo with Chell. So for the listeners, if you don't know, my sister Marsh has a newborn baby named Chell who's... Well, he's one. He's <laughs> he's like one. He's not 18 months yet, though. No, he's 14. He's turning 14 months in a week. You should really know these facts. <laughs> turning 14 months but I saw you posted a photo with Chell at brunch and I was like okay so she's like in Hamilton but then I didn't hear from you for like hours okay yeah the thing is like the only time I could really do this was when he was napping so anyways we're here now and it's all good are you excited yeah like I feel like I can't believe you've been doing this for so long and I don't know you've had such great guests so I'm I'm honored to be one of them yeah, and we we're gonna hit our two years soon. That is crazy. And so your podcast is older than Chell, FYI. 
since you seem to be very confused about his age. I'm not good at being like, he's 16 months. He's this. I know. know. I know. And I think that's like a parent thing. Cause like, you don't think of your own age in months. I think it's just because when you have a baby, you track everything like week by week or one month by month. And you're like, Oh, I have a four month old, a six month old. You know what I mean? You just get used to like talking like that and thinking that way. But no, I wouldn't ever like refer to anything else in months. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. But for the listeners, they don't know who you are. They've We've talked about you on the podcast. Okay, so already famous. Did you want to know what your nickname is? What is my nickname? We called you Croak Girl. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> because we said, you know how you do that thing with your throat? <laughs> yeah, we talked about that on an episode. And I was like... <laughs> I didn't want to out you, but then I we called you Croak Girl. So that is funny. You. Let's uh, talk about you. What are your pronouns? How do you identify? What's your name? For anyone who doesn't know who you are. So my name is Marsh Neal, but most people call me Marsh. And my pronouns are she, her. And I identify straight. And what do you do? I work in public relations and uh, communications. And I moved from... Um, Toronto after about like 10 over 10 years in Toronto moved to Hamilton during the pandemic and I'm married to uh, my wonderful husband Josh and yeah like we already touched on I've also got um, a one-year-old at home so you know getting used to this stage of life and all the changes that come with that you might be wondering like not why I wanted to have you on the podcast I feel like there's a lot of reasons as to why I'd want my sister on but I feel like we grew up obviously in the same environment and I just really want to know if you had any idea if I was gay or if there were any things that like I would do as like a kid that you could put two and two together and be like oh this makes a lot of sense so for starters I want to get into our relationship there's a bit of an age gap yes we're eight years apart isn't that wild that is wild we should figure out what that is in months. <laughs> yeah. We are at this amount of months apart. Yeah. But how did you find that was growing up? Like, how would you describe our relationship? You know what? It's funny because like, I always wanted a sibling and I just didn't think it was probably going to happen at a certain point because, you know, once you turn, I don't know, like six or seven, you have more of an awareness of what it even means to have a sibling and like, the concept of it. And I just didn't think it was like really in the cards, but I'd always like wish for it. Um, And so I was super excited when you were born. And I think because of our age gap, I almost took on more of like a, I don't know, like motherly role at times with you versus like being more of a friend, Um, especially in the, in the, when you were like, you know, eight and I was 16. Now, obviously that gap feels like hardly anything because we have a lot of the same interests and it doesn't feel at all like you're so much younger than me but at certain stages in our life like I definitely felt like I was almost like more of a mom figure to you than um, a sister Mm -hmm. and I felt that too I think I felt like we started to become more friends when I was in high school or like a preteen like 12 or 13 because 
I was, I looked up to you so much and I still do. But of course, when you're like 12 and your older sister is in university and she's like going out and she has her own life and she has all these friends, it was just things like I was aspiring to be. And I also, a lot of my interests like kind of happened because of you, like how I got into Britney, how I got into like Amy Winehouse. Like that, I have to give you credit for that. Oh my God. And binge watching Felicity. We can't forget. Yeah. (laughs) the hills the hills yes all of those all of that great content I exposed you to versus <laughs> there was a lot because yeah. you were so much older so I feel like even when I was in my like grade seven class like some people weren't really as familiar with certain things I was really into like even when you watched chaotic with Kevin and Brittany or like the newlyweds I only watched that because it was you. on in the house yeah right yeah, that's so interesting. Like, whereas I wouldn't have been exposed to anything beyond like what probably my friends were watching at the time or like whatever was introduced in my own house. Like you you were kind of like had a little preview of what's like <laughs> what older people are watching. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Do you remember any special memories or things that stand out to you? Special memories. Um, I honestly... I, I have a lot, like nothing that's like, like specific, but I always remember feeling like, even though you were so young, I could always like talk to you about anything. And you definitely had a maturity that was like, well beyond your years at times. So I don't know, I think a lot of my memories are just like, me probably like stressing about a guy or something to do with like, a with friends, or I felt I felt like I was always in a flurry of like, drama but it wasn't real drama it was my own like you know a frenzied mind being like oh my god like will to so and so like me or oh my gosh like should I go to this party like just really you know typical teenage thoughts were always going through my mind and I think because you were the only one probably who who was in our house that I could talk to about that stuff you became like my my sounding board and I don't know it was just always so nice growing up with someone who was eager to listen to me because for you it was probably exciting to hear that yeah I think it was because I I feel like I was as invested like as much as you actually wanted to like tell me things even though I was much younger I feel like I liked being that role for you because I didn't have any of that stuff going on in my life I'm like 10 years old or like nine like I don't really have that same type of drama so I felt like the wise one I think I liked Mm -hmm. Even though I absolutely wasn't, but I think because I didn't have that experience, it was easier for me to be like, this is what I would do or like, yeah, yeah, that's my advice. Um, I want to know about how your growing up experience was, because I've talked about my experience growing up as a gay girl in an Indian household and how I always felt very grateful that our parents were very open and accepting. I felt right away that I could be myself, but I want to take it from like your perspective. We grew up in the same household. You moved out obviously when I was like 10. So I was a little too young to really understand what your experience was fully. Yeah. I mean, I think we're really lucky that um, we grew up in a house where, you know, our parents are super liberal, very open-minded. We're willing to, you know, have conversations about, you know, things I would read in the news. I remember when I was in 
grade 10, it was, I think I was probably 14 or 15 and it was my first exposure to learning about um, a hate crime against someone named, I think his name is Matthew. I'm forgetting his last name. And I want to say it was in Ohio. And I remember being like so horrified that that could happen. And I don't think up until then I was necessarily even like, there was never a question in my mind that it was okay to be gay. And when I, I remember when I told, um, you know, our parents about it, they explained to me like why these things happen, um, why it's so cruel and hateful and wrong, like fundamentally wrong. And I was like, so moved by it that I remember in drama class, my monologue was like the uh, statement that his mom gave in court. I didn't know about this. Yeah, it was like, so I was so moved by that. So I don't think I knowingly grew up thinking like any of those conversations were perhaps rare or unusual. That was just my norm. I would say that the things I struggled with had very little to do with like issues around like, you know, even with race, like we would have very open conversations about, you know, racism, homophobia, like all those issues that normally you might assume um, aren't discussed at the dinner table. I always felt like we could, I could ask tough questions and get honest answers back. Um, So that was really kind of, I'd say it was like a progressive home looking back in that sense. But I think where I struggled was kind of like, your stereotypical immigrant, like child of immigrants, you know, stuff around like having to focus so much on schoolwork and like pressure to just really excel um, in certain subjects. And I was like very into, you know, English and writing and drama. And it's not by no means like was I discouraged to pursue those. I think as soon as my parents realized like I'm pretty terrible at math and science. They were like all about me engaging in those interests. But I think earlier on in my life, I do remember feeling like, oh my gosh, my parents are so much stricter than everyone else's. Or like, I have to beg to go to the movies when like I had friends who could just, without even asking, go like twice a week if they wanted to. Whereas I felt like I had to make a case, like present my like best, you know, rationale for why I wanted to do certain activities and I think it's like a I don't know like I think sometimes like when you take the risk of like immigrating to a new country with a child and pin so many hopes and dreams on them succeeding it's almost like you worry maybe as a parent that like an excess of things or if they're exposed to too much like will that get them on the wrong path. And I think sometimes I suffered from a bit of that, like, um, almost like too much moderation, Mm -hmm. like, okay, like you've already seen a movie this month, maybe wait till next, (laughs) you know, like it was so like, everything was so careful in the way they raised me, but that was very different with you. And I always felt like they had loosened up so much by the time you came around eight years later. So Yeah, I'd say like that was my, I had a great, I had a great childhood. I think you and I both feel really lucky to have the parents that we have, but I think any challenges we have were probably different to some degree. They definitely Um, were. Also because of the time that passed. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, did you ever hold a little bit of resentment? Not necessarily like you were angry, but I do feel like our parents were very easygoing with me. Like I had a lot of freedom as a teenager that I think like, 
even once I got my license and I could drive, I was probably one of those people that was not like asking to go to the movies. I was like, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. Like, can I maybe take the car? But it was very rare. My parents were like, our parents were like, no, I just feel like I had a lot of leniency. Like, I don't remember. I wouldn't have gone through the same things as you. You know what? Like, I think I don't have resentment because I I think it's like it was a time and a place and like an era that I, I can understand why things kind of were the way they they were. But I do think it created in me sometimes like a tendency to have to like almost like make up a story, like a big reason for everything or like because um, I think like because I always needed to like, for example, I would to be totally honest, like get in the habit of lying all the time, like a lot of teenagers pretending I was going to like a sleepover when really like I had some other plan in mind. And it was nothing like scandalous, nothing scandalous, like trust me. (laughs) But I think because I always felt like I had to be a little sneaky to get the freedoms I wanted. It did probably create a habit of me where when it when it came time where I could be honest and straightforward, it's almost like I didn't recognize that because I was so used to always to ha- always having to make up some like elaborate story or scheme. Hmm. And I think that carried over with me probably into like my late teen, early 20s, like feeling like I always had to have like a big story around events in my life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be probably be the only thing I can think of. Well, I wanted to mention this because the listeners probably don't know this, but you weren't born in Canada. You were born in Kuwait. And our parents moved with you when you were two years old. Mm-hmm. Was it? to Yeah, to Montreal. Yeah. So I feel like they were also just probably learning too, right? Like they're in their late 20s with like a baby coming to a whole new place. Like I, when I compare the differences, it just like almost makes sense. Like everything with you is probably just so new and you want to be extra careful. Well, for sure. And I think like I have a lot of, I think when you make the decision to uproot your life and move to a new country, that's difficult enough, even as like a single person, let alone parents with kids. And now when I think about if I were to do something like that with Chell, and I'm not talking about like moving from Canada to the UK or Canada to the US, where even culturally it's so similar to go from an upbringing in India to then working in Kuwait to then moving to a country and first of all, a province where you don't even speak the predominant language, French, like that's a lot of pressure. And I do have, you know, endless admiration for that journey they took. And I think, of course, they're not going to be the most lenient parents right away. Culturally, that's not the norm, but it was compounded, I think, by the fact that they had to get it right. You know, you, you don't come here with a whole lot or they didn't come here with a whole lot. It's not like they had a ton of support. Um, and so I think that you do feel a pressure to get things right and to make sure that your daughter, you know, turns out to be, you know, a good person with good values, good morals. So I can totally empathize with some of the decisions that were made and some of the ways they did raise me, even though at times that felt maybe a bit constricting. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get into this with my therapist too. I feel like all parents, it's a lot of pressure for parents to raise 
a kid. And no matter how hard you try, your kid is going to come out with something, you know, like nobody's perfect. And not to say it's a bad thing, but I've even talked to our parents about this because I have very open communication with them. And we talk about sometimes like what I talk about in therapy, which I'm grateful for. And we can like sit back, reflect about it. And it doesn't have to be like an angry conversation. It's like, this is the reality. And this is like, how I turned out, but it's not a bad thing. We're all just learning together, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, did you have any idea that I was gay while I was a teen or even entering my early 20s? I did not at all. Like, I will be honest, zero clue. I always felt like you were just so nonchalant for your age and like chill, like in the sense that you know, most of my friends, for example, when I was like in 15, 16, 17, we were like gushing over guys we liked or like uh, totally boy crazy. Like I, at that time, I didn't have any lesbian friends. So I didn't really have that exposure, but that was kind of my world. Like, you know, talking to my friends about like crushes or who like, who we, like we would want to ask out or like you know things like that and you always seemed like so not interested and I, I just always thought that that was like a maybe a maturity thing or you just didn't care you were more fr- focused on your friends versus being interested in in guys and it didn't even cross my mind I think that also has to do though with the fact that there wasn't so much like representation of for example, like lesbian relationships beyond shows that were a little bit more like obscure, like you had to seek out like on HBO or something. The L word. wasn't a channel. The L word, like things that we didn't, that wasn't on like cable TV at the time, right? And there was always like this otherness associated with those moments when you would see it represented on TV. And I think that it didn't cross my mind also because it just wasn't, part of like the cultural conversation the way it is now I'm sure if like we were um you know 15 and 23 now Mm. it would be totally different and I I think I would have probably clued in faster that like oh she's really she seems to really like this one particular friend or (laughs) she doesn't get excited about you know, a guy asking her to prom when she's not even like in her senior year, like, (laughs) you know, but she gets really excited about the prospect of like this friend coming over. Or I think now I I might've made the connection a bit faster, but then again, who knows? Who knows? I wanted to ask you this because we talked about this story on the podcast that I only reflected on truly like last year. But we call this person, so I don't want to out myself, but we call this person Phyllis on the podcast. And this person- Oh, I know who you're talking about. I know, it's not a good code name, but she would never listen to this. (laughs) But um, obviously when the listeners know this, but I'll like reiterate, um, our dad had a band when we were growing up and the band would usually come over for like Sunday practice. And I would have been like six years old. So you would have been quick math, like, 13, 14? Yeah, 14. Okay. Phyllis was like around your age. I definitely had a crush on Phyllis. And of course I was six. So you would never like know. 
But I always remember being so like, not I don't know if infatuate is the word, but like very interested in like wanting to know what she was doing or being around her. And it's funny to look back on those memories as early as six because I was like, oh, I think Alice, Alice was the first girl I really liked. But I think Phyllis might have been the first crush I had that wasn't like a celebrity. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you, whether or not you could like make sense of what those feelings were, you obviously wanted to be in her presence, <laughs> around her, near her, maybe in a way. And it's it's tricky at that age because I also think that when I think back, there were girls, even though I'm straight, there were girls that I also wanted to be around for other reasons, because like, I just thought they had this, they were cool, or they had like, they had it together, or they had awesome style, or just things that I gravitated towards in terms of like interest. So I could see how it would be confusing too, because sometimes you want to be in people's orbit, because there's something like magnetic, a magnetic quality, they have something drawing you to them, but it's hard to make sense, especially that young of like, what it is that that makes that person so compelling. Exactly. Like at six, I wouldn't know that. But same thing with like female pop stars I was very into. I was obsessed with and still am obsessed with Britney Spears. But then Christina Aguilera, J-Lo, Kirsten Dunst was like a big person in like what I was growing up to who I definitely had a crush on. But I also confused it with, oh, do I just see these people as like my older sisters? Or am I I, like attracted and like want to go on a date? with Kirsten Dunst it was so hard to navigate because the earliest representation I think I saw was Tila Tequila like a shot at love with Tila Tequila when I was 12 because it was like an open bisexual trying to date men and women but that was it it was very rare I saw Emily from Pretty Little Liars like Shay Mitchell played a lesbian um when I was 15 but there wasn't really a lot so even when I was trying to like navigate what my feelings were for like women in my life, I I had no idea it could be like a reality for me or be like, I could actually be with a girl because I identified as bi for many years, but I didn't realize like my emotions and what I felt for men were just like platonic emotions. Like I can say I've had feelings for guys, but it's because I like cared about them so much and like wanted them as a friend but then I was it was it was weird I I struggled with that because even that guy I dated when I was like 19 it was only for a few months I was really upset when he ended things with me yeah I remember I was so upset but then when I looked back I was like I think I just really cared about him and I like liked being his bud like we actually had a lot in common but physically I was like oh is this what people like like are people into this Um, But I was also, you know, 18, very new to like sex and intimacy that I was like, oh, maybe this is just what people do and maybe it gets better. That's how I used to think. Yeah. And I think too, like that was around the time I remember you starting to have like more um, kind of emotional ups and downs, like more, like I remember sometimes you calling me and saying like, I feel really down today and I just don't know why or like I I can't make sense of like why I'm having so many like gray low days in a row and it was probably just like you also not really knowing 
how to like name what you were feeling Mm -hmm. and know what to make of it you were just feeling maybe like not right in how you were defining yourself at the time yeah oh 100 percent. and I had just moved or it would have been my like second semester I think in college and I feel like when I was living on res it was such a heteronormative res like and all my friends were like so excited about like boys and then I was like I just want to talk to Alice on the phone and I want her to visit now that I look back like I was so confused about my sexuality but I couldn't I didn't have like the vocabulary to be like this is how I'm feeling I think I have a crush on my best friend I think I might be into women I should pursue women it was so it was like kind of a scary time because when you're that young and then you feel like you're so different from everybody else right yeah that must have been really hard and now I feel like again you would have been able to identify yourself in so many other I keep using like TV as an example but there's so many shows now that have really taken like I think done a great job of not I don't want to even use the word normalizing because it's never like abnormal (laughs) to not identify as straight but I think just there was a time when like you wouldn't see yourself in any tv show or movie you watched whereas like I feel like that has changed so much especially in the past like five years that had you been going through college now I think you would have been a lot more you know sure of yourself and been able to kind of like say oh wait I think I think this is what I'm feeling and maybe been able to like go out with it Mm -hmm. come out with that identity a lot sooner and it's interesting because when you came out as bisexual I remember feeling like in my mind it was only a matter of time before you identified as lesbian because in my encounters with you you were telling me like I'm I'm bisexual and I was like so proud of you for coming out and you received so much support but I kept thinking like oh but time and again the only the only like names you would bring up were like women that you were interested in and I was like oh I, in my mind I was just thinking it's I think it's only a matter of time you know and um, I guess that kind of happened, but I was curious if if you, like, if there was any part of your brain, maybe not even, like, consciously, that felt more comfortable ide- identifying as bisexual mm-hmm. versus coming out as being lesbian, because, like, is there any comfort in that? Like, I don't know, but... The reason I found, yeah, so I did feel a lot more comfort saying I was bisexual, but the reason I felt that way was because... And I want to reiterate, it does not matter. You can change your label a thousand times. But I kept thinking, I cannot come out as lesbian in case, like, something does happen with a guy and, like, I can't go back. Like, how could I say I'm lesbian and then, like, date a guy? Take that back. Totally, yeah. That kind of freaked me out because at that time, I was, like, very sure of my feelings for women. That was no doubt. But I was still confused about some emotions I had for men. And sometimes time would pass and I would connect with the guy and I was like, maybe. And then we'd go out for a date or we'd kiss or something. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I don't (laughs) stay away from me. So what I thought about when I thought about all the different types of attraction, I think there's like seven types of attraction. It's like intellectual, emotional, sexual. There's so much that I was like, I think 
I could find a guy very attractive. I could look at a guy and be like, he's very hot, but I don't have that like sexual wanting for him. Um, and that took me a while to navigate. Whereas now I'm, a, I'm good with identifying as a lesbian because I only have like a romantic attraction, physical attraction, emotional. Well, I could have emotional attractions with men, but I feel like really for me and what I value in relationships is like the emotional, the intimacy, the romance. I want all of that. So now for me, I only see that with women or non-binary people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do feel though that like I'm like you've talked about being like femme on this podcast, right? And you and I have had conversations around how like you've had a harder time like meeting people in general and meeting girls that you like really connect with but are also attracted to was femme even a term you knew or understood when you had the realization that like no actually I want to identify as lesbian or is that something you learned when you were trying to like figure out okay who am I attracted to specifically the second I I learned about the the uh like the different names like femme their stud their stem mask androgynous all that I learned that throughout like my discovery and my sexuality and the the time I actually realized that this could be a reality for me one of the reasons was when I watched these two youtubers named Shannon Beveridge and Cami Scott, who were both two femme-presenting lesbians. And over time, I realized I'm much more attracted to or drawn to more of like a feminine-presenting woman. That's just kind of like, if you had to say like my type in quotations, mm-hmm. right. has always been a little bit more of like a feminine person. Um, so when I saw those two together, I was like, oh, wow, like, there are feminine lesbians out there promoting their relationship because I'd hear the whole like stereotype of a feminine mask can only be together. Like you would never see two feminine people together because you won't be taken seriously. It's all like bullshit. But mm-hmm. when you're being kind of fed that info, I was like, will a feminine person not want to be with me because maybe they're more attracted to like a mask person. Right. Yeah. Right. And I also think like when you're trying to meet people, I can only imagine that like I could be totally off here, but I feel like when you consider like stereotypes or at least how sometimes like a lesbian is presented on TV or a very flamboyant gay gay person, right? Like those are like the visuals or the images that you see a lot out there that if you're trying to meet someone at a bar, it's probably also like hard for you since you're not necessarily looking for like your opposite mm-hmm. type, like you gave the example of like femme and mask, like to know who, I don't know who even might be like open to talking to you in, in a romantic way. I mean, unless you're at like a bar that is known for having like mostly like, like a queer night or something like that. Like it's hard for you to just approach people, I bet, because I feel like the, it's kind of assumed sometimes in those situations that people are hetero, right? It is, which you know what we we assume as a society, but sometimes I'm like, if I'm really interested, I can definitely shoot my shot. Like, worse comes to worse, they're not interested, or maybe they're not into women, but they're still getting a compliment. Hundred percent. So I've yeah. tried to get into that mentality, but it's still scary. Like, 
<laughs> it's still scary to put yourself out there if you like see someone you're attracted to. One, you're like, is she even into girls? Two, right. I'm scared. <laughs> and and like three, like it's almost like, is she into me is like the last thing because you have to get over this like idea of like well what is her sexuality to begin with whereas I feel like a lot of men will for example just like go up to women they find attractive and it's not even like a a thought that crosses their mind right mm -hmm. but I'm sure I think again like with all things like that's going to be changing yeah even with like the use of identifying like pronouns and and things like that becoming so much more commonplace in workplaces on social it's it's now not becoming, I think, it's not going to be the same kind of, I guess, playing field. It's not like a binary world anymore. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I was listening to a podcast that Sophia Bush and Bethany Joy Lenz and Hillary Burton host together, and they talk about One Tree Hill. And they talk about how their characters were probably queer, you know, like, but yeah, One Tree Hill was such a hetero show. But Sophia's like, are you kidding me? Like, Haley was definitely flirting with Peyton at this part or whatever. And I just think about like when Chell's going to be a little older, I'm just so curious to see what the world is going to be like and how media is going to evolve because it's already evolving so much and how we're going to approach people in society. Like you said, it's already so much more open, getting better. Totally. It's like, and I think like his world is going to be so much better in some ways in the sense that like I don't think he'll suffer from a lack of being able to like you know see a gay couple on tv or something like that like I don't think that's going to be his world at all mm -hmm. I think that the things that not I don't want to say were I think about I think a lot about staying educated myself to make sure that like because I'm, I'm realizing like especially as children get older you can really only control what's in your home and what mm -hmm. they're exposed to in your home and just trying to be really great at like educating him on the kind of person I want him to be to be able to be open with with Josh and I about whatever's on his mind to treat others with respect but also to understand things like people identify in different ways you know there's like you said, we don't live in a binary world anymore. And those are kind of maybe difficult concepts to teach at home. But I think we're kind of in a phase right now is like a society where that's going to become so important. And I, I were the thing I worry about most is more about like social media and how that's evolving and what that's going to do to like, I don't know, yet young boys and girls that are like in in school and exposed to so much more than we ever were yeah. um, growing up. And in some ways that exposure is good because it can broaden your world. And like you gave the example of seeing those two femme um, YouTubers presenting YouTube hosts, right? And being like, oh my gosh, I kind of see myself in them. Like in some ways, I think that's great in the sense that like you can see content that you wouldn't otherwise have access to that easily if without those apps but then it scares me to think that there's also things like bullying and even exposure to content that is the opposite of what you try to teach at home or what he learns in school so all of that stuff is like obviously not an immediate thing I have to worry about but stuff that I often do think about as a new parent yeah. And especially when I see like little seven and eight year olds like running around in our neighborhood. And I think like that's really like such a formative time. Like those 
those early teenage years are so formative. And I think it's just, it's scary to be a parent when you think about, you know, what's out there sometimes. You can only do the best. There's a lot of good, but there's also a lot of like scary stuff. So yeah, but you can only, you can only do so much. And I think like the fact that you're even just aware of this and trying to be like, I just want to expose him to the world and like teach him and teach him to be kind and people are different. It all starts in the household. So you're already like a step ahead than what some others do. A lot of people just try to shelter or they teach like the opposite. The thing is, I think, I don't think it's even like an intentional sheltering. I think sometimes just, you know, to give you an example, like there's this toy store um, not far from my house that I walk by quite often. And it's like really nice to see books where it's like two dads, storybooks where it's two dads and a son or two dads and a daughter. Like even when you think about um, just the everyday activities you do with a child, like you know, we read a million books a day. We go on so many walks. We like, sometimes the days are like a repetitive cycle of a lot of little activities that amount to like one big day. But sometimes I think like, you know what, I'm really glad that I, that, that, that book is on the window display that, that you can still like almost every book has some sort of like family story to it, but it's nice that that representation is like becoming commonplace in things like children's storybooks Mm -hmm. and that's just like the tiniest example and that's not at all like groundbreaking I just mean those are the the small habits that you know I hope I can try to implement in our house so that Shell does understand like it's totally normal to have two dads or two moms you don't need a mom and a dad like just those concepts that are super simple but I think the more it doesn't even become a question in his mind that that is a that is a family setup as well. Like the easier things will be for him in terms of grasping more complicated things down the road. And he's also growing up with a gay aunt. Like as he's totally. when he's around me, and if I ever bring an SO around the house, lol, manifesting. But Chell will see me, you know, with a woman. Like he's going to see that firsthand in his like immediate family. So exactly. That's already like yeah, really good for him and his growing up. And yeah, forget the books. I've got, he's got Auntie P. He's got a gay aunt. Forget the storybook. With a gay yeah, podcast. Yeah, we just need to find you someone to bring over. Just don't tell the listeners about your social campaign idea. My social campaign. Okay, I think you totally, I've got to share this idea because I really don't think it's a bad one. It's terrible. I had, I had suggested to Persis that, because she was kind of telling me, you were kind of telling me how like, you're having a hard time meeting like the right kind of person. There's not, it's like slim pickings out there. And I said like, why don't you put out, you know, an Instagram post or story saying, hey, I'm really open to making this the year I meet more people, meet more women. If anyone has a friend of a friend they'd like to introduce <laughs> me to, let me know. I'm like really open to meeting people. And you thought that that was like the weirdest idea ever. But I kind of felt like, look, if the dating apps are like discouraging or it's like a sea of sameness or they can get, I know, like mentally draining for a lot of people. 
And if you're not, it's not that just easy to, it's not that easy to just meet someone walking down the street. I feel like our social circles also tend to get a little bit smaller as you get older, because you're not in like a college or university setting where you're meeting so many people. I was like, just put out this post. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I still do. And I don't think anyone would think it was strange. Um, but you obviously disagree. I don't think it's bad. I think for me, I'm like, you know what I'll do? I won't post it to my public Instagram. I'll just ask my friends. I'll, I'm in a bunch of queer groups that I've like met people over the year. I'll just ask, you know, I'm not going to put it to my public Insta as like, a I cry know, but I help. feel like it's not a cry for help. It's just like a, Hey, like I want, I want this. Cause, cause I feel like it might come from like, not a close friend or someone even like a close acquaintance. Like it might come from like, someone who follows you that you don't actually talk to that often day to day, but who knows someone who knows someone <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I still think it's a good idea. I know you're not going to do it, but mm. maybe we can have a vote. Should Persis post about her single life and ask to meet other people on her Instagram story as like a video yeah. series? <laughs> <laughs> I think I suggested talking to camera, but I think even just a text post that people can easily share. My notes. I should like share what I wrote. Your in my notes. notes. Yes. Oh, that's tragic. Um, it's not. Think of it as like a classified ad. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. <laughs> um, how do you think our relationship has changed since I came out to you? Or do you think it has? Um, I don't think it has changed in terms of like our friendship and the things we are interested in. We still have so many common interests. Um, I think that I want to do like a better job of just staying more informed. Like I, I'm a very, like, I consider myself like a very open-minded accepting, like, like, I don't know, like progressive might be the wrong word, but I'm like, I, I always feel like I'm very accepting of all kinds of people, all people, mm -hmm. frankly. But I think that these the experiences of people that are different from me are also ones that require a lot of like education and really understanding what it's like to be in someone's shoes that's had either a different upbringing or a different set of challenges, a different way of maybe being seen and perceived in the world. And I think like, I'm so empathetic when I feel very like empathetic towards you when you tell me about some of your challenges. Um, but I also want to do a better job of exposing myself to that kind of content like getting more informed reading more like queer authors for example mm -hmm. um just taking steps in my own life to kind of like better understand your experience beyond just like talking to you or hearing it from you mm -hmm. um so I I don't know I think our relationship is great but I also do feel like I could do a better job at some things like I could do a better job of also broadening the, the kind of media I consume I consume the kind of content I read to kind of also have better knowledge myself of some of the experiences you might be having. Yeah. And I appreciate that, but we're always going to learn. And I, I feel like you are progressive is the right word. I was never scared to tell you I was into women, or I guess I came out as bi at first, but do you remember your reaction when I told you? Cause like, I don't even remember how I told you. 
Oh my God. I was elated. I was so, so happy because like, I think as a sister, you just want, you just want you like the people you love to be happy. And I think like, like I said, from an early age, I was just so, I did not understand like why there was this like otherness attributed to people that didn't fit into a certain box, you know, and whether that be uh, race, gender, sexuality, like those were always, even one of my favorite books, like growing up is Middlesex. I feel like I never, I was always like, why is the world the way it is? So when you came out, I think I was so happy for you that you could own that identity. Naively too, I probably didn't even think about whether there would be any judgment from friends or family or the world at large, because I was just so thrilled for anyone to own that identity, but especially you being my sister, own their identity and be true to who they are. So I was super, super overjoyed. But I also think that I probably was a little bit naive and that I wasn't also thinking about repercussions, if any, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like very common because our world our own little world, I think, is actually quite progressive. The family we have, the friends we keep around, yeah. your your partner as well, like even telling Josh or that was never even a question to me to like tell your husband or him finding out I was into women. Like our our own world is very progressive. So it's so easy to not think about like what's going on on the outside. Yeah, because sometimes it's like, you know, it's it's not an obvious it's not like I worried you were going to get like hate, actual hate or like be in any sort of unsafe situation. Like there was nothing like that, obviously going through my mind, but I also think there's like microaggression sometimes or things that people might say that even commonplace, like generational differences, right. Where people might still be using terms that just aren't kosher anymore. And that I might be able to hear and kind of like be like, Oh, and like shrug off. But you might actually be like, no, that isn't right. Like you're, you're offending me without even realizing it. Like there is still like so mm -hmm. much work to be done. I feel like to really bring some people up to speed. Like there's a lot of people that I think consider themselves to be, you know, supportive or allies, but they might not even realize some of the things they're saying or doing are counter to that. And so mm, like hypocritical. Yeah. Or just like saying things that they don't realize isn't quite like kosher anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's probably that's probably more of what like you face, right? Versus like any sort of negativity directed towards you specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not necessarily negativity, but I had some experiences when I was first telling people I was into women, I would get a lot of like you don't look like you're into women right. or that's surprising. Or even if I like using a certain sex toy, I was told by some cis men, oh, but then wouldn't you be into like a penis? Like it's the same thing. And I'm like, no, because like doing something with someone you're attracted to is so different than like just the physical act. You know what I mean? It's that was a lot of it. So sometimes I felt like I wasn't really being taken seriously when I was like talking about a girl I really liked. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Do you remember, I only have a few more questions for you, but 
do you remember the first time you saw gay representation in TV movies or like you heard something in music? Like the very first time you were like, oh, this is like a same sex topic. I don't. I can't remember like a specific example, but I feel like I was probably like 12 or 13 when there would be like, for example, I don't know, like shows I used to watch growing up, like a Dawson's Creek or even like Seventh Heaven when I was like younger. Like there was always sometimes like a storyline around a gay character at some point in the series or an episode where someone had a gay friend or, you know, there was always like, an awareness that that existed in the world, of course, but like, I, I can't really pinpoint a specific moment where I was like, oh, this is a thing. I think it just, I just saw it. But like I said, like, what, how it was documented then is so different than now. It felt like a, like an after school special or something, as opposed to like, what it is now, which is just like, commonplace it's just part real people doing their thing living their lives real people being represented and you know the entertainment and the media we consume uh but that was probably my first exposure to like on some sort of show yeah I feel like around that time when you were growing up it would have been like early 2000s I feel like a lot of gayness was almost used as like queer baiting or it was like a punchline or um the character was kind of like a side character they didn't really have it like there was never like a story like a big emphasis on like this character or if there was totally. maybe it was That's only surrounded mean. around their gayness yeah which a lot of people have issues with yeah it's like sure that's important to an extent but this person also has like a life with yeah. <laughs> that's not just surrounded around their coming out did you ever question your sexuality as a teen like ever ever a moment when you were like maybe i like girls too I didn't ever really feel like I had strong romantic feelings towards anyone other than guys, to be perfectly honest. Um, I definitely was like curious about what it might be like to kiss a girl or if I saw something on TV, I would think about that. But like, I wouldn't necessarily, it didn't, I didn't attribute it to like, oh, I think I might be bi or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there were never like feelings or emotions. Well, you touched upon this a little earlier, like trying to raise Chell, but do you have any advice to new parents raising their children on how they can teach them about the queer community? I think just like we talked about, like recognize that this community are, is like, it's no different than I think the way you might talk about any other person to your kids. Like, it's just, it's just about, I think, making it known that people can be attracted to different people they might look different than you they may not go by you know a boy might not always go by him or her him or um, he him yeah exactly like that there can be those differences and it's not about I think like force feeding information or making it feel like uh, a lecture and I'm no expert like I said I have a one-year-old but I think just about thinking of ways to bring in that diversity into your own home um, is the best thing you can do. Like I subscribed to this toy kit and like where it's called Love Every and you get a kit every three months or so with toys designed for um, 
that the kids age. And it's just a little box of like nicely curated items. And I was really happy to see that there was a doll in the last box we got and the doll was brown. Oh, nice. And I was really happy to see that as just like a small example, because you can totally go to like a Toys R Us and you will definitely now see that all the bar- Barbies aren't just white or that all the dolls aren't just, you know, white with blonde or brunette hair. Like there is more representation on store shelves, but A, I thought it was really great that there was a doll included in a box, even though in my subscription, they know that I have a son. And they explained that that doll was not meant to be for a girl or for a boy or necessarily be a boy or a girl. It was a very ambiguous looking doll, if you know what I mean. And the fact that the doll was not white, I think was also just like an example of like small things you can do in your own home and expose your kids to that. It's not about like, necessarily attaching a lecture to all of those small things you bring into your home or do in your day but I like that Chell has a doll yeah and that that's not a gendered item in our house and that I'm not saying that he's not gonna also I'm not saying he's not gonna love trucks or that I'm gonna try to skew him in any sort of way but just to remove like the gendering of things as simple as toys the storybook example I gave you earlier like why not read a book where there's two dads so he sees that as normal like my advice to parents is just to like make a conscious effort to diversify what you expose your kids to but it doesn't have to be a huge like onerous task Um, simple things like eventually amount to I think them having an understanding of the world that's a little bit broader yeah Oh, for sure. And you're doing a great job. I feel like new moms, new dads, new parents in general always need to hear this, but like, it's so difficult to raise a child and how I've watched you, how you treat Chell, how both you and Josh treat Chell and your relationship as a trio, I think is like very special. And I can't wait to see like who he's going to turn into. I think he's going to be the sweetest little bean and um, he already is. So that is so nice. Honestly, I, every parent will say this, but he is like changed everything in our lives. Like <laughs> in it's at 360, like, it's so funny because like, there's a lot you give up. Like, I, I feel like my, my alone time, my, you know, some of the things that I used to spend my time doing, like just aren't as realistic anymore with, with a child, but like the amount of joy I get from seeing him develop just being around him I'm not saying every day is like perfect like there's we have great days we have some like more difficult days sometimes I'm super tired sometimes I'm well I'm well rested like it's all a a cycle um but it's just the best and I read a quote that's like the decision to have a child means your heart will live outside of your chest for the rest of your life Mm. and I feel like I can't relate to that like more like there's no way I can relate to a quote more than that one mm-hmm. because it's like you realize that you're responsible for this like beautiful human being you want the best for them but you probably also like will not be worried will not have a night where a, a day where you're not worried about something until he's like I don't know 
40. Yeah. (laughs) Even when he's like an adult, you're still going to be 40. It's still going to be like, yeah. So, and again, like, I think if any of your listeners are parents, they're going to be like, yeah, of course, duh. But I, I feel like I didn't realize the magnitude of what it would feel like until having sweet shell in our lives. And I, I'm also really lucky to have like a, you know, a great partner to, to raise them with. And again, like we sometimes have our little, you know, we bicker and we squabble, but at the end of the day, sometimes we're like, Oh my God, but we have shell. Like he's like, he's the yeah. best. Look what you, what yeah. you guys made. Honestly, this is like, yeah, a, yeah. he is you and Josh. Yeah. So this is my last question, but I don't know. I really wanted to like hear your take on this because obviously I'm your sister. I'm gay. I came out to you. Do you have any advice for family members who have a loved one coming out to them? Like I, 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 you know what, this is actually a hard question to answer because I can't imagine being in a position where I would feel at all like offended or hurt or like, I'm not religious. So there isn't anything that I feel like is conflicting with some type of like, you know, religious like viewpoint that I might've grown up with. I I think that listening and trying to put aside any of your own reservations or bias is super important. I think that at the same time, someone coming out, it's not that they're not open to hearing what those are eventually, but I think in that like initial process of someone being brave and open enough to come out to you as a family member candidly, the best thing you can do is listen and show nothing but love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And if for any reason there is a doubt in your mind, like the example of you, you gave like, oh, but like, you're so pretty. Like, don't you think you want a husband or I don't know, something stupid someone might say. Are you having a hard time finding guys? Yeah. Like, (laughs) I feel like that kind of stuff can all be a conversation. It can all be questions that you ask and talk about. Not everyone is going to like immediately respond the right way. Um, But I think that if, if there's an openness to, for the person hearing the information to like say, okay, I have some questions. Like, can you help me understand this? That's at least a starting point, but definitely nothing but love and acceptance at the get-go because anything that you're unsure about is inconsequential compared to the fact that they're entrusting you with this news and this information and they want you to know who they are like truly Mm -hmm. and fully so Mm -hmm. yeah that's really good advice advice, but just (laughs) that's really good advice I think it is like it's tough because like everyone's circumstances are so different like exactly it's it's so hard but I think across the board listening is the biggest thing and even if like it's so against everything you believe in I would always encourage people to just like take a step back even sit with it for a little bit before reacting and trying to open up the conversation ask questions Um, because as a person who's coming out I'm more than happy to answer any questions so we can like learn and communicate together if that were the case I know and and I want to caveat that like I have we again are in such a privileged position like me and you and probably most of the people we know in the sense that you didn't have you didn't come out with any sense of fear that you might lose 
your family, your friends, your so many people, I think have the very, very hard job of like grappling with their um, identity and their sexuality with a massive fear of loss surrounding that loss of loved ones, loss of like respect in the community, fear of like actual, actually being like a victim of some sort of hate crime or something like that still exists. And we're really lucky that like that was not our reality, that that's not our community. Um, but I also think like, I just want to say that like any advice I have to give is not necessarily like, it is like recognizing that like, there are people out there with like in incredibly difficult circumstances that they're grappling with um where there's a lot of work that maybe like parents or relatives or friends have to do to truly unlearn a lot of information that's been indoctrinated or they've been brainwashed to believe you know uh people operate a certain way or it's a sin or you have to look a certain way or you're weird or you're, you know, like there's a, I think there's a lot that thankfully doesn't have to necessarily, hasn't like infiltrated our own worlds and your experience with this, my experience as like someone you've come out to, but I think it, I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't think advice alone could help could help um family members or friends hearing this information if they're operating from a place of non-acceptance and non-love to begin with i think there's so much like inner work that would need, need to need to be done for those people to even be able to kind of um accept or hear a message like that mm -hmm. yeah yeah well i'm very grateful for you I'm grateful for you too, Persis. Oh my God, what a somber note. <laughs> I know. I know, but it's important. It's important too. I, as much as it's somber, I think like Sarah and I talk about this too on the podcast. Like it's really important for me as a gay person, even though I've had a lot of luck with the people I, like what I was born into. I didn't, like the life I have is a gamble. And that's not the reality for many people. I have friends who were isolated from their family. One of my friends had to literally escape family violence because they came out. It's So I never want to be like ignorant to the fact that even though my experience as a gay Indian woman was great, I think it's important to hear those stories, like the positive ones. But it's so important to also talk about the ones that aren't so great because that that's also people's realities. Um I honestly think also turning towards like internet communities has been very helpful for at least a lot of my friends who struggled. Um, yeah. As much as the internet's a scary place, I think for queer people, you can really make good friends off of the internet and social media and Instagram and TikTok. I think there's more of an outlet. I used to use Tumblr, but mm -hmm. now people can use, you know, Instagram, TikTok, find their besties, find their family that way. Sometimes you can choose your family, right? It's like your chosen family. A hundred percent. Like, I think that's the good part of social that I'm happy that like Chell and, and his generation are going to, you know, get to have at their disposal um, for sure. And that is, that is so great to hear. Like, I think 
that's kind of like the best parts of the internet, you know, the fact that you can find community with anyone anywhere in the world and find relatable relatability, even if it doesn't exist in like your own, um, the place you live or your own home. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Like growing up in Whitby wasn't the most like queer friendly place, like Whitby so hetero, but I remember like sitting in my room watching like Emily on, or Shay Mitchell, <laughs> watching Shay Mitchell on Pretty Little Liars being like, oh, this is just like media for me to consume and for me to feel like excited on my own, you know? Yeah. And honestly, Whippy, when I was in um, elementary school and high school, I don't even think I was thinking about like, like, is anyone gay? I was more like, I was like, wow, I think there's like three people of color in my high school. And I was one of them. Like, it was super white. Like, we were at that stage of like, okay, like there's feels like there's zero diversity in this, in this place. You know what I mean? Obviously, it was probably more than three, but it was very much like, very noticed. And yeah, I feel like my experience was a bit little bit more like, oh my God, like where we live is just so, so white. Um, and I didn't have a lot of like Indian friends growing up. And you can't help that. That's where you're growing up. That's what you're yeah. exposed to. I mean, obviously moving to Toronto, it's different. Toronto is so yeah. big and I have friends of like, you know, so many different races, but growing up in Whippy, it was you know, you're friends with the people you're going to be around and you can't control that. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, Marsh, I wanted to wrap this up because this conversation was so lovely and you offered like incredible advice and you got very deep, which I appreciate. And thank you. I think everyone's going to really like this episode. They'll get to know you a lot more as the mystery croak girl that we talked about in an episode. Oh my God. Okay. I need a new nickname after this. I don't want to be mystery croak girl. Nelly. (laughs) Nelly. Nelly. I love that. Okay. Love you, P. Love you. Okay, everyone. This, in case you missed it, is definitely a very, very sad one, but I think it's extremely important to keep talking about these issues and bring them you know, to increase this awareness. But if you guys have heard about Brianna Gay, um, Brianna Gay was a 16-year-old British transgender girl in England who was killed in a park. And there was just some news that I had looked up, and it says that two teens were actually charged in Brianna Gay's death. Um, They're set to go to trial. They're both two teen boys who are 15. Brianna was found dead by a passerby in a park in an English town, and this would have been on February 11th, so only a few weeks ago. The two boys, who were 15, were arrested the following day, and they were officially charged with her murder. The police are saying that it's unclear if the circumstances surrounding her death are hate-related, and the investigation into a motive is ongoing. Fact of the matter is, is that this clearly is still happening transgender people are still highly highly targeted and to me this is absolutely a hate crime there was actually a candlelit vigil in the village where brianna gay was found wounded and about a thousand people had showed up to this the mayor of greater manchester andy burnham and his daughter annie had attended the memorial and andy burnham tweeted 
Here to remember Brianna, send our love to her family and support to young trans people everywhere. A book of condolence was handed out and Brianna was described as our beautiful, gracious, and powerful little sister. This is clearly a very, very awful, awful tragedy. Um, It's even hard for me to like talk about this in and in case you missed it. But once again, I do feel like it's very, very important. Guys, let's keep spreading awareness. Let's keep sharing these stories. And we must, must continue to protect trans kids. I It goes without saying. Earlier, um, all of the UK's LGBTQ plus radio stations had held a minute's silence in memory of Brianna. And I was even reading somewhere where Brianna Gay's vigil was actually disrupted after some homophobic abuse was hurled at like the gatherers there which is once again insane it just feels like it's never ending and this is why you know this is why people need to continue to come together and support trans kids and be there and spread awareness about this like 16 year old girl who whose life was taken away just because of who she is If anyone wants to talk about this, of course, you know, our DMs are open. A listener had actually reached out to us and um, mentioned the Brianna Gay story, which has been all over. And we just want to say we're sending so much love to Brianna's parents and our condolences. And she was such a beautiful, beautiful girl whose life was gone too soon. Anyway, guys, I'm going to end the episode there. But Sarah, I miss you. I feel like I'm going to just say I miss you after every pod episode. I just have to. Um, It's definitely not the same without you (laughs) over here. But I love you guys. And thank you again for always tuning in. And I will check back in in a couple weeks. 